growing up the way that I did, wanting to be perfect, my sister and I were overweight. We would be called Bertha Butt. I had those teachers tell me that I wasn't good enough. My medical records is the way that they described me. Depressed, fearful, frightened, angry, helpless, hopeless, depressed, worthless, detached. And now I'm speaking to like 800 of you. And I'm not patting myself on the back, I'm really not. Our experiences, good and bad, make us who we are. And a big one for me is my battle with mental illness and my stay in the mental hospital. It's my story, I'm not embarrassed. And as every week, it's the story that brings me to send you a long distance hug every Tuesday. So welcome to the podcast closet today, bringing you Consider Yourself Hugged episode 52, Adult Bullying with Donna Clark Love. I am Dr. Tammy West here every week to bring you tips on living a life that brings you mental and emotional well-being. Donna Clark Love. Hmm. I'm going to read her um, bio in just a minute, but I met her. I think I've talked to you the past couple times, maybe on an interview and, and just in chatting that a group of us wrote a book together primarily for females or women in education, and it's titled Thrive. It's actually good for any woman, and I'll put a link in the show notes. But it is it does mainly target women educators. And I met Donna at this event, I think you've heard me talk about before, outside of Houston, uh, three or four years ago, and we do training for those teachers every summer. I have to say, she is one of my favorite people on the planet, and I think I already said that during our interview, but she is just such a sweet spirit and so brilliant and loves people so much. So I don't want to take any time talking about a million other things that may have happened in my world this week, although I'm super tempted, but maybe next week because I really want to jump right in. So I'm going to read her bio and then link directly into the interview. So here we go. Donna Clark Love is an internationally recognized bully expert. You are getting an expert today, a workshop trainer and a conference keynote speaker. She is a licensed chemically dependent counselor, a certified trainer for Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and a certified mediator conflict resolution trainer. Donna has been featured on NBC Today Show and the NBC Evening News to highlight successful prevention programming. She has been featured in Forbes magazine on workplace bullying. Recently, she was asked to provide expert commentary on digital bullying and harassment, which is huge today for Good Morning America. In 2005, People Magazine recognized her as the cyberbullying expert. In October of 2003, she was asked to highlight effective bullying prevention policies for the National Department of Education. That's huge. Donna has trained on Indian reservations, American Air Force bases. She's worked with the Maori tribe in New Zealand. She was contracted with the Belizean government. She trained government employees and teachers on how to combat combat bullying and workplace violence. Recently, in February 2018, Donna trained and consulted with NASA and Johnson Space Center employees on addressing culture, peer conflicts, and digital bullying via social media. This is just huge, all that she's done. She especially values her work with nonprofits, especially churches, and has preached sermons and conducted workshops for her local church, Mercy Street is the name of her church. The success of Donna's groundbreaking and dynamic trainings has gained her international recognition. 
Donna was asked to speak at the International Workplace Bullying and Harassment Conference in Bordeaux, France in June of 2018. Donna is a captivating speaker who connects, empathizes, engages, and inspires her audience to make lasting changes. And I am so blessed to now call her my friend. So please meet the heart of Donna Clark Love. If you're listening, then you already know Donna as far as all the stuff she's done, all the places she's been, all the clients she spoke for, um, but you don't know Donna the person and you don't know Donna the heart. So Donna and I are going to talk today about bullying and I think it could go in many different directions, but I mean, can you just at least tell me, I don't remember Donna, how we found out that we were both bullied as kids because I didn't, this is our new book, by the way, that if, well, this won't be on YouTube, but we have a new book out called Thrive that I'm sure we'll mention. I'm going to read a little bit out of it, but I don't remember seeing in your chapters much about you being bullied as a kid. Right. Anymore, right? right. How I did was. we discover that about each other? Because we connected over that. I think we, you sent me a note or something about after I had written about being bullied in the workplace. Right. You sent me a note uh, and text or an e- you sent me an email, I think, and said that you had, you and your sister, I think, had struggled yeah. with bullying. And then I think I shared that I was bullied horribly in middle school. That's right. We both talked about, and, and mine was weight and also being the neighborhood outcast and being the poor people on the block and just the outcasts. Was yours also weight related? Or was it? No, I was pretty slim then. <laughs> it was more being the new kid on the block. I moved from Texas to Cal- Southern California. I'm in the mm. midst of Valley Girls in Newport Beach area. And, you know, they're wearing their Ocean Pacific shorts and their sunglasses <laughs> on their head. And I'm wearing Wrangler jeans and a t shirt. <laughs> and I say, hi, y'all. And they go, we say you guys here. And from then on, I was just to them like the, you know, the Texas freak or something or somebody that was so different from who they were. So you, you moved to Southern California in middle school. In middle school. Ugh. Oh my gosh. I had no friends, no, totally new environment. I mean, I'm around beach cities and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thrown into a culture that I was just not I went from West Texas, so this was a shock. And were you there for the rest of your school time? I was. I went to Orange County High School. No uh, way! Yes, I was a little valley girl. Oh my gosh, I did not, I didn't, you know, Tim and I moved to Irvine a few years ago in Orange County and lived there for a few years. I loved it, but of course, whole different experience. I mean, I just moved there. Exactly. As an adult, I didn't have to worry about fitting in with anybody because right. I, I didn't work. I worked for myself, so I didn't even have to worry about fitting in in the workplace. Right, right. Well, yeah, we, we definitely connected over that. Um, so did that experience, and I am going to read some out of your book, but did the experience that you had there give you sort of a heart for this issue of bullying? Because you write and talk a lot about all types of bullying, but in particular, like in our book, like workplace adult bullying, is that yes. why you had a heart for that? Yes. And I worked for many years in the school district and then I worked 
as a teacher, but then I, I always tried to be the, you know, the person to stand in the gap and help students that were being bullied. Even before the word bullying was mentioned, it was not a buzzword. And in the adult world, you mean? In the adult world. And, and it was downplayed, of course, in our school district, too. And then when I went in, in administration, I was director of safe and drug-free schools. And so I had to develop programs for violence prevention and bullying. Drug and violence prevention, bullying was underneath there. And I began doing a lot of research, working with the Department of Ed in Washington, D.C., on writing and finding out what works and doesn't work when you talk about bullying. So prevention. And at that point, was it for, I'm sorry if I miss, was it for students? It was for students. At that uh, point. Mostly for students, yes. Does it, does it feel to you, because I remember, so my bullying time in middle school, I never remember it being addressed. Um, it was on the bus. It was in school. It was in my neighborhood. It was everywhere. And it was sort of like at that point, and I think still some today that, you know, just put your big girl, big boy panties on and go about your business. But now it's beginning to get more, you know, more help. Do you feel like adult bullying is in this place where it's still finding its voice? Yes, because we really don't have a lot of workplace bullying and cyberbullying policies. You know, it falls, kind of, you know, what happens is businesses and school districts stick it under um, harassment or they find a place to put it or they don't have the words. They don't, there's nothing to stand on. You know, in Texas, we have the best bullying law ever for students. For students. But in the country, there's very few bullying laws on the books for corporations, organizations. So it's, there's no um, something to sink your teeth in as far as consequences in workplaces, because there's not the lingo and the policies to support it. So still there's not. It's still in this. No, it's getting state. better. It's getting better. Yes. So do you mind if I read or you can? No, go for it. So the book is called Thrive, which I will put a link in the show notes. Donna has two chapters. One of her chapters, y'all, she is the best writer. And I am not just saying this because we're on the podcast, but she and my editor, we were, were our editor, we're all like, she's just so good. So her first chapter is called, Before You Take That First Bite, Read This, which is about her you know, struggles with food addiction. But she doesn't just talk about food addiction. She talks about self-medicating in any way when you're going through tough times. But her second chapter um, is called Bullying in the Schoolhouse, Adults Only. And I just, I don't want to read them all, but on page 19, I just wanted to read a few. She, so Donna, you talk about examples because some people don't know they're being bullied. Right. And, and so they don't. Yeah. And so you, you put a lot of things that we would, we would of course know, like um, yelling or cursing at someone or those kinds of things you might think, well, yeah, of course. But you put things in here like possible bullying, establishing impossible deadlines that will set an individual up to fail. Who would think of that as, because, mm -hmm. oh, and let me read another one and then you can, I just want you to speak to that for a minute. Assigning unreasonable duties or workloads unfavorable to one person in a way that creates unnecessary pressure or harm. I think some people experience that, but just think, well, that's just the way life is. Right. Is that why you put those things in there to just say, look, here's a here's a list 
doesn't mean it has to be all of them, but these are some things you want to think about. Is that what you're trying to get people to do? Yes, and to see that, you know, when bullying exists, there usually is a power uh, difference. And what happens is sometimes supervisors or team leaders that are bullying a team lead, somebody on the team or somebody on the faculty, and, you know, they're not yelling or screaming or pushing or shoving. What they're doing is these kind of things. Putting you on maybe a bus duty when you they know you need to be home with your youngest child. Or mm -hmm. assigning you deadlines that are unrealistic. And or giving you responsibilities that you have no talents for, no gifts for, and you're already overloaded. So it can look, it can be in that, that form. And we miss it because we think, well, that's just, you know, a way of life or that's just, that's not really bullying. That's just someone being, um, maybe not being selfish or not looking at our, what we need. But it, no, it is, it's a definite form of bullying. Because it feels like it could be the same sort of, oh, just go, you know, pull your, put your big girl panties, whatever, and just go. It feels like that could be in the workplace. You could feel that way as well, just like we did when we were kids. Just yes. deal with it and move on. And, you know, and the thing you're looking to for is like a repeated or other, there's going to be a group of behaviors. Not only are you being assigned to maybe do extra duties, but maybe you're excluded from a team meeting or you, someone forgets to put you on the email, not really forgetting, but they exclude you, you know, so there's usually going to be a group of these behaviors that we can look at. How did you know, because you have this list, I'm assuming they happened to you. How did you, I mean, tell, tell us a little bit about what happened to you. How did you know you were being bullied? Was it, was it some of those things or what was your story? Well, yeah, I'd done when I did, when I was doing a lot of research. In fact, my supervisor is the one that I did. I traveled all over the country and did a lot of research, visited lots of schools. And I knew about bullying, what it looked like. And I also read a lot about adult bullying. And I knew some of the characteristics. And my, and it was very apparent to me when my supervisor was doing these things to me. It was like, wow, this is the true example of bullying. Well, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but let me just, because I want to make sure I'm clear. So you were already researching and talking about bullying before you were a victim of workplace bullying. Exactly. Oh my gosh. I, I had it backwards. I thought that you went through this and then you started to do the research. Wow. Okay. So go ahead. So you knew. So I, yeah, I was experiencing it and I, then I was reading all of my research going, Oh my goodness, this is exactly, this is why I feel crazy. You know, it's happening to me and the best research and that people do not understand adults that adult bullying is very different from student bullying in that the bully is not looking for people who are maybe withdrawn, don't have a support system, maybe have a distinguishing physical characteristic. They are looking for employees that are successful, 
are being um, succeeding, moving up the ladder, employees that have their voice, that have strong personalities, that maybe are speaking up against injustices, or leaders. They're looking, you know, that's what they're looking for. Because if I tear you down, then maybe I'll feel better. And so what happens is, as adults, we get confused because we think, well, I'm not getting bullied because I'm the most popular person in the workplace, right. or I won teacher of the year, or I've just written a book and <laughs> I have my doctorate and everybody comes to me to, you know, ask questions. It can't be me, but that's the difference. It can be you. Yes. And that's why I began, I was doubting myself because... I was very successful and I was, I was implementing very successful and effective programming and, you know, it didn't make sense that I was being targeted. And it can be, cause you know, this, this show is about mental and emotional well-being. So if mm-hmm. you're listening, I know you're tuned in because maybe you have something that's happening to you at work and you don't know what to do. I loved what you put in the book about the steps that you took. So as much as you want to, or as much as you feel comfortable, what, what can these people do if they feel like that's happening to them? Well, I, I like to follow the protocol in place wherever you're working. And uh, there's usually a chain of command. And so what I did is I, you need to be writing everything down from date, time, who's there, er, what happened. It needs to be documented because you're trying to build a case. Every, every single thing, where you were, time, everything. And then you're documenting this and you're keeping maybe a journal of these things. And I had so many incidents that I, my next, I followed all, all the research I was reading too and yeah. talked to some, I, I did not, it is really, it's not good to talk to people within your workplace about what's going on because you don't know who's trustworthy. Right, you don't. You know, and sometimes I would trust untrustworthy people and it would get me in trouble. So I only talk to people for me outside of my school district. Seems that smart. could be objective. And so that was, and I got great feedback. So I recorded all my incidents. I did not use feeling words. Uh, bullies don't like feeling words. Uh, they uh, bristle at them. They tend to get escalated. So all I did was listing of facts, facts, facts. And then I met with my supervisor. And I know when you say feelings, I'm sorry, when you said feeling, so what you, you mean as you're talking to them, you wouldn't even bother to say, well, this made me feel embarrassed or uh, you would, there just was no point in saying that. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. Uh, because they're going to discount it. Um, so, you know, I did use the word, um, I did use a couple words, humiliated. I use humiliated and uh, scapegoated, and I think maybe I used um, abusive. Uh, I don't know if those are feeling words or strong words, but I did use some of those. But I, I, I stayed away from. I felt sad. I felt hurt. I felt embarrassed. You know, I did right. use a couple strong words because they they don't care. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So I made the list, and I, I- met with my supervisor. And I read the list to her. 
And but beforehand, I asked that she not interrupt me until I finished. And How did she did. Okay. Really? Yeah. Shocking. What a surprise. I know. I put my hand up as I learned right in front of my chest and said, I have asked that you wait until I finish reading. And then you can comment. And she did not let me finish because I had some also some things I put on there that I would like to change. Because in my school district, if you're going to have a complaint, then you had to come up with a toolkit of proposed solutions. Right. So I had those, but she did not allow me. She began berating and she lost it. And so I quickly exited her office. And so then I followed the protocol. I then scheduled a meeting. Am I talking too much? You're wonderful. No, no, no. Then I scheduled a meeting with my supervisor and her boss. And her boss was pretty high up in the string of administration, (laughs) very high up. And I scheduled a 30 minute, I told him it would be 30 minutes. And and I began to read, I what I did is did a summary of the incidents. Mm -hmm. You know, this happened eight times, this happened, no, no feelings. And then I asked for certain behaviors, or I asked that no longer, I told them that no longer would I meet alone with my supervisor unless another person was attending. I would not talk to her on the phone unless it was a speaker call and someone else could listen. And so I set these boundaries, but I was interrupted again. And by her boss, who told me that my supervisor was a wonderful Christian lady who followed God Wow. who was loving and who would never do those kind of things that I was mentioning. Wow. And that I was too sensitive. Oh, and blah, blah, blah. no. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the tears begin to fall. I couldn't hold it together, but I did take care of myself and left that meeting. Okay. And, and, uh, knew that I just needed to go higher. And what I did next is I filed a formal grievance report that went, I guess, to HR. Um, and, but I, after that, I never met with anyone because, and I say that in the book, is my supervisor and myself, we were called to a meeting at the administration building where they were restructuring the departments. And when we went in, her department and her name was not included on the paper of all of the new departments. She was actually left out of everything and I was switched to a new department. So this is how they got rid of her. They wrote her out of the total plan. It was unbelievable. So I never really had to go further than that. But you would have. I would have, I would have kept going. And it, you know, everything I read and, and it, when you do that, if the next step, it did not, nothing happened, I would go either legal and or press because uh, my school district was very well recognized in the state and great reputation. So I would have, and I had contact with a lot of press. So I would gone either probably legal first if that didn't work then to the press. So, um, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. 
I'm just saying that if you are being bullied, I think, you know, if, if it ever went to court, the judge is going to ask, did you follow did you? The, the policies that your, you know, your district or organization had? And I knew that that, I knew that. So that's why I follow that protocol. You know what I love about that story? Well, many things. First is that you, you knew what needed to be done and you went step by step and you did what was very logical, what was very professional, what was very <laughs> formal, but I, I can hear, like, I can see wheels spinning in some people's minds saying, well, I, I never would have been able to done that. Or I would have, I, I just, I, I'm not strong enough, but you even said you, tears came. I mean, it wasn't oh, like tears. you were just oh. a robot. It was not an easy thing for you to do. No, no. And a lot of prayer. I mean, I had a lot of prayer behind me, a lot of prayer and a lot of, I, I truly believe that, that I, I reached the point where if something didn't happen, I was going to leave. And so I knew I need to take, I hit a bottom with the pain. I just couldn't, I couldn't endure another incident. Uh, I was depleted spiritually, emotionally, physically, and I knew I needed to take action. I was going to ask you if you would have been willing to quit your job. Um, oh, yes. Which, oh, yes. And that's, I mean, why do you, you work with a lot of people. You talk to a lot of people about bullying. What do you find holds people back from speaking up? I mean, why? Well, they, well there's, you know, there's three main things. One, they have watched other colleagues speak up and get either the retaliated against or nothing happens or discounted, rationalized and nothing happens. Two, they're scared that they will lose their position or be demoted. Okay. And three, it's that they will be publicly shamed, humiliated in front of peers, and so that they won't be believed. It's all fear. It's all fear. Fear of the outcome. So, and the self-doubt. Well, what could I have done? to maybe not have to for this to happen what is my part you know what why are they picking on me i must be doing something that's causing them to do this just like a domestic violence situation oh, if i wouldn't have done this then maybe i wouldn't be hit it's the same scenario so how do you help people get past that and and i, and I also think so we're, we're using bullying and, and you have a bunch of examples in the book of what that looks like, which we talked about. Yes. In show. But it, do you think it's, it's sort of on a continuum almost too? It's just like, so if this is like officially bullying, but maybe they're only doing one or two things that are still not good, you know, right. how do you help people get the courage to speak up? Because there are risks, you there know, are risks. some of those risks are real. So how do you help right. somebody who's in that situation? Well, I think you had, like you said, the continuum. And I work with people on, sometimes it's not true bullying. Sometimes there are people out there that are not true bullies, but they exhibit mean behaviors. They have learned them, or this is just the way they do business. But they also have a heart. And you can have a, I think with these people, you can have a conversation and even use the feeling word. This hurts when you discount me in front of a peer. 
can you maybe do it this way? And these are people that are willing to own their part and they go, oh, I didn't even know. I didn't even know I was that harsh. I apologize. So I think we have to be aware that not all mean behaviors are bullying. I'm just like, poof, mind blown because what you just, like the, if we're going to say that someone is exhibiting bullying behavior, a big, a, a big part of that is that they aren't, they really aren't going to care and may do those right. things to you. Like, ridicule you or cause problems so you're saying the first thing you got to do is figure out is this just a person you could have a rational conversation with i I don't know why that is just so mind-blowing for me but but it is that big distinguishing yes and and that's why i say when i work in schools and i so many social workers and counselors they are killing themselves trying to teach the true bullies how to have empathy how to be less aggressive and it doesn't work. The truth is there's only one word that works with these kids. I'm talking about the repeat offenders, the true bullies, maybe maybe five to 7% of your population at a school. The only word that works with them is ouch. They have to have consequences that cause them pain. Wow. To change. And adult bullies that have not been intervened on that were school bullies, it's the same thing you know and so we have to we have to look at you know is this person a true bully you know and that's why we protect ourselves and not use stealing words and not be vulnerable to get kicked again you know now i have to tell you just interject a funny story one of my bullies and i wouldn't say his real name i've done a podcast about it before but i call him chad carter um (laughs) because he still lives in the area but just was just the the ringleader. Years later, I was probably 20, 19 or 20, and I was working for a dermatologist in the same town. And at that point, this has been a long time ago, I could give shots and numb. We would do surgeries and I could numb it with the, the xylocaine. Now you have to have a lot more training, but then you could do it. So he comes walking in and he goes back in the room and they doctor that I worked for said, you know, he's got a war, you need to go numb his foot. And I went in with the needle and he recognized me and he was like um i am so sorry about middle school (laughs) and i was thinking it would have been fun to make it hurt but i didn't yes it would have that's a great story it was so it was so funny to see him um but so anyway okay so we have to help one of the things you do is you help people try to make the distinction can, is this a person you could have a reasonable conversation with? But even that, which is a whole nother topic, but um, people need training on that. You know, just how to feel they comfortable do. speaking up and not being a doormat. Exactly. And I try to incorporate that in my trainings or, you know, what is a practical conversation to have with someone who's exhibiting a mean behavior that's hurting you, but they're not the boy. Then what is the conversation to have with when you're, you know, I do not support adults confronting the true bullies. The true bullies are good at what they do. I do support them taking action and making a report and I help them with, this is the language you need to use. This is what you need to have written down. 
this is how you approach it. Because you, you do, you have to figure out the difference. And, and when you confront someone who's maybe very critical and doesn't even know they're critical, you have to get in the door. You have to have language that's not defensive or they are going to just walk away from you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a fine art and I had to learn it too. I had to learn what worked and didn't work. And you know what, the way, the reason I do what I do today is because I worked in the trenches in my school district. I work with students, I work with staff, I work with administrators, I work with parents, I work with families. And I found out that what is written on paper doesn't always work when it's in action. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful, though, because there's, solu- there's solutions and help for people that are hurting. I, th- I, think, that is, I think that is so brilliant. Um, so in your book, you, you went through how to recognize a bully, how, mm-hmm. what some steps you can take, go through the chain of command when you're a bully. But you also talk about addressing it at a whole school or district level. And I'm going to take it even further and say, like, on a societal level. Exactly. Um, one of the things, and you can talk about anything you'd like to, but one of the things I wrote, I underlined, um, under number four says, let it begin with me. Are you willing to take a look in the mirror? And then you say, we need to begin by looking at our own behaviors. We might not be true bullies, but we might be exhibiting hurtful behaviors that fit on the continuum. And I thought of something, and I just wanted to know what you thought about this. There were times when my children were younger and mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time, you know, when Blockbuster was still around or we were, yes. you know, the ball fields, I played softball, baseball, different things. And I would see a child, probably middle school, maybe, you know, in that age range, be mean to another child. And mm-hmm. the parent would do something like this. They would say, oh, now stop that. Really? Oh, yes. And I would think, because whatever it was they said was just horrific to this other child, but it, it made me feel like there was so much enabling going on almost as if to say, well, yeah, that person really is fat or ugly or stupid, but just don't say it right now. Yes. Yes. That is a societal thing. We tolerate, we've gotten to the point where we tolerate mean and we excuse it, we rationalize it, and we encourage it. And that's what I'm trying to do is change the norm for us. And a lot of people are doing this too. You see it with you know, celebrities are saying, you know, only tweet nice things. You know, people are saying, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop the mean. But we have to first examine, I have like a little handout where I say, are you a bully or do you exhibit bullying behaviors? And I list some behaviors that could be considered bullying because sometimes we don't realize that we are the ones that need to make changes. Are they different than the ones in your book? Like, can you think of one or two that are on your list? Yes. No, you can download them from my website. I'm putting them up because the book is coming out. But things like berate, if you go through Burger King drive-thru and you get really berate the person that gives you the wrong order and you have kids in the car, they think it's okay to be mean to someone because there was a mistake made. And we can acknowledge our frustration, but sometimes we can berate and get, hef- you know, really huffy and exhibit mean. 
uh, when things don't go our way, whether we're shopping or we're even in the public and all people around are watching. And that's one thing we need to look at when, and we, we have to look at too, when we get frustrated and when we want to say something, you know, I, I love the, the saying, you know, does it need to be said? Does it need to be said mm -hmm. by me? And does it need to be said now? I keep that with me because sometimes I have to step back and wait before I say something. These are courteous. This is about being courteous to others and being kind. Yeah, I'm putting that definitely in the show notes. Say, say, let me say that. Let me see if I have it right. Does it need to be said? Does mm -hmm. it need to be said by me? And does it mm -hmm. need to be say, said now? Now. Yes. By and that, I, by now, you mean like in front of all these people kind of exactly. thing? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Like right now when I don't really have the words, I know what to say. You know, this is, that's why it doesn't need to be said now. Sometimes we react instead of responding. And if we, responding is taking time to consider how we're going to react, then we respond. I and you said, I think it was still in that same section on basically um, how to deal with bullying. Well, that no, was in a different section, but I underlined it. It says you can become an upstander. Um, yes. It says you train kids to be upstanders, upstanders instead of bystanders to, to empower them to stand up for their peers. And that's important in the adult world too, which, you know, you go it is. talk about. It is. Um, it is. I love that. Well, is there anything else? You can, I am going to read before we close out here in a minute, a quote that you put that I think is, is so you, but is there anything else you <laughs> would say to someone who's listening? Um, they're struggling with their, their mind and their emotions. They feel beat down like you did. They have someone, maybe it's bullying. Maybe they're not sure. Do you have any other words of wisdom that we haven't covered so far during our time? Well, I just want to reiterate is that get support and talk to a trustworthy person because sometimes we need the people in our lives to love us when we can't love ourselves and we need their reflections there to help us know what our next step is because you know what if we try to figure it out on our own it it may not happen we may not take action i love that well in these show notes donna i will put um i'll put your bio. I will put links to all the places people can follow you. Um, will I put a link to the download or do they need to get that from the book? If they just go to my website, um, okay. they can, they can get that. I've got to make sure it's getting put up, but I have a list that okay. I think it's, I have an assessment for, you know, could you be exhibiting bullying And I have a list for organizational bullying behaviors if they want to see if they're what their business or workplace, if that constitutes bullying. And I think those will be very helpful. Mm. I love that. Well, here's the quote that you ended with. Um, I want to thank you so much for everything you said today. You are the epitome of everything that you said, being an upstander, um, learning how to be outspoken and still be kind, helping people to do that students, teachers, parents, community. I just, I think you're brilliant. And you close Thanks. your last chapter with a quote from Edward Everett Hale, an American author, mm -hmm. historian, and minister. And it says, and I'm assuming you would want this people to hear this. I am only one, but I am one. 
I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And I will not let what I cannot do interfere with what I can do. And that's you, Donna Clark Love. Oh, thank Amen. you. What an honor to speak with you today. Oh, thank you. You are a precious doll. I love you to pieces. And I will talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you, Bye. Dr. Tammy West. <laughs> Big love fest. Thank you. And I know you're sad that that is all of our time for today. Please pass the show link along to a friend or two because this is this is a really big topic. This can help so many people. You know, looking at, am I being bullied? Um, is there something I can do about it? Or am I exhibiting bullying behavior? Or am I a bully? I mean, this is a big, big deal. And I think the timing is just, is is crucial because of everything you know that's happening in our society and our community this is the time to really figure this out and make a difference in the world so please pass the show link along subscribe download review wherever you are listening that means so much to us head over to my website tamiwest.com to get information if you would like for me to speak at your next event and also you will find everything there donna's bio the links You'll be able to download a couple of assessments from her website. I'll put a link to the Thrive book. Please, please go there and look at all that stuff. I would love for you to follow me on all of my social media platforms. Um, I, I put a link in the show notes. And I want to thank you for listening and growing our special community. And I pray that each day you remember to love, to serve, to feel worthy, to grow, to connect, to change, and to be the best person you can be for yourself and for the other humans in your world. And until next time, consider yourself hugged.